This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not look. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Across the country from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the East. It is a daily tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Coming up on this Thursday edition, the NBA trade deadline is still about three weeks away, but the player movement already underway. Will we examine Haskell Siakam heading to the Indiana Pacers? At 6.20, a recap of last night's top 25 action in college basketball before we look at NBA futures at 6.40. During the 7 o'clock hour, we will preview NFL football this weekend, starting with Saturday's divisional playoff games before looking at NBA Thursday at 720 and our show parlay at 740. And finally, during the 8 o'clock hour, I look at Sunday's slate in the NFL, followed by BetQL's Chris Mack at 820 and Donkster time at 845. Chelsea, it's a Thursday. We're chugging towards the weekend. What's going on? Yeah, uh, well, it's a Thursday. Uh, you took my oh. line. I didn't have that much I to did? say this morning. Yeah, I was like, well, it's a Thursday. Well, that's good it's because we Friday. only have three hours. You don't have no, much to say on three hours of talking on national radio? No, that's not what I meant. I meant is like, Chelsea, how you doing? I usually have something oh. in my mind. Because like, I have a lot uh. to say about sports. But as far as my general life, like I already used all my really exciting bird feeding stories yesterday. So kind of oh. emptied the chamber there. So don't know what the update's going to be today. Because <laughs> wow. yesterday was more of the same. We had another snow day. We watched the bird okay. feeder intently. But now the problem is we have gone through, I think, three bags of bird seed. Like, we've had a lot of birds. Like, it is freezing outside. And when I say freezing, I think it's like one degree today. So these birds are trying to fatten up. So they've been going through all the bird seed. But again, that was like my A-plus content yesterday. I don't know if it can carry me today. Chelsea, you buried the lead. Three full bags of birdseed? Local Nashville woman goes through three bags of birdseed in 24 hours. That sounds like huge news. Well, I've already told you about it. That's the thing. All right. I'm run dry of personal content because we've just had the same day over and over where we have the snow day. We don't leave the house and it's just me watching my old bird feeder. So maybe you're doing more fun things than I am. Like, what did you do yesterday? Had to be more exciting than what I did. Oh, I don't know. We got these 
roof compressor units on our on the top of our condo unit. They're driving me crazy. I'm trying to get that fixed. I went out to Washington Commanders Park and did two podcasts with Fred Smoot. And then I came home and I worked on this show. Then I played with the cat for a while. Then I watched an episode of Law and Order. And then I played Wordle on my phone. Then I played Connections on my phone, which is a new thing that the lovely Catherine and I are playing. I laid out some chicken breasts so that we could cook them. I mean, do you want me to continue? I feel like I'm just laying out blockbuster story after blockbuster story here. Well, that's how I feel. So I guess, you know, midweek on a school night for us, we're not doing that Mm -hmm. much. It's just, you get what I was saying. I was like, oh, I can go with the Thursday content. And then you already said it. And I was like, great. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, do you want to talk about your best bet from last night? Or is that going to make things worse? Uh, no. I mean, it was loss. It's fine. Excuse me. Had Radford minus five at home against Gardner-Webb. I don't know how this happened because they don't play these Mm -hmm. games on TV because they're small schools. Uh, But Radford was much better than Gardner-Webb at home. They were great in this situation as favorites and at home. Gardner-Webb, I think, had one total win away from home and ranked in the 300s in two of the four factors when it comes to Kim Palm and that way of rating teams effectiveness, but somehow Gardner Webb won it outright 74 to 68. So not sure what happened there, but we will continue on with the strategy that's been pretty solid for us most of the season. Oh yeah. Your mid-major picks in particular, your college basketball picks have been fantastic this season. So you can't sweat a single loss. No big deal. I got the old no play yesterday. Oh, I love making a bet. And then it's postponed because of snow. Blackhawks, Sabres, under six and a hook at minus 130. No play. And it wasn't because the Blackhawks didn't make it into town. They made it to Buffalo. But there was a travel advisory for the city of Buffalo. They told everyone, do not travel. Stay indoors. And normally, even with something like that, the NHL will say, well, The opposing team made it to town. We're still going to play. They decided against that, so they will play again tonight. And I don't know if I'm going to go back to that pick or no. i got to think about it. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. Dogster was also on that play, so postponed, no play. And then had North Carolina minus 21 hosting Louisville. Carolina wins, but by only 16, 86, 70. So for the week, Chelsea, you're 1-1. One and one. I am 2-0. and oh, And the Dogster is 2-3. and three. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by our good friends at BetMGM. Please send me a robe. It's 2024. Been asking for three years. Huge day in the NBA yesterday. Haskell Siakam. It's funny, I was handicapping tonight's game with the Raptors, and one of the facets of my handicap was, well, at some point, they're going to move Pascal Siakam. You keep hearing his name bandied about in NBA trade talks. As I'm writing and looking up this handicap, he gets traded to the Pacers in a three-team deal. So... Indiana gets the two-time All-Star. The Raptors get Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, and three first-round picks, two in 2024, two in 2026. And then the Pelicans, the third team in that deal, sending a player to the Raptors and a second-round pick to the Pacers. So the big capture here, the big move, is Siakam going to a Pacers team that seems to fit him perfectly based on his skill set and what Indiana needs. So I I love this trade for Indiana. 
Yeah, he's a two-time all-star. He's somebody who has received votes for uh, all-defensive team because I think that's where you start. What do the Pacers need? They probably need a tiny smidge of defense. You've seen the totals in some of these games. But I think more than anything, it just shows that the Pacers are wanting to contend this season because we all know that they're a solid team, that they can score a ton of points. But we weren't sure if this was the year that they were going to go all in. So maybe this is not as all in as some massive trades that we have seen in the NBA. Because usually when there is a blockbuster trade, it's one of like the massive names. So people may not think of Pascal Siakam as a massive name, but still he's a two-time all-star and somebody Mm -hmm. who will greatly improve the defense on the court when he is there. And also it shows the rest of the team that the organization is trying to win now. I, I love it. And you never know. It's one thing to get a great player, sure. And Pascal Siakam, I think, has been criminally underrated throughout his entire career. But when you get a talented player who fits your team and your team needs, then you've really struck gold here. And you mentioned his defense. This is a Pacers mm-hmm. defense overall, bottom five in the NBA. Pascal Siakam, one of the better, if not best, defenders in the NBA. He will help immediately. And also, if you look at pace of play, in the NBA. The two teams were the most up-tempo squads in the league. Guess what? It's Pacers and Raptors. So immediately you've got to come, you've got a guy who can come in and not only play D, he can run up and down the court with you guys because that's what he's been doing in Toronto. And as you said, it shows the commitment to trying to win. So huge win for the Pacers despite giving up the draft picks, which you knew they were going to have to do to get a player of this caliber. Yeah, for sure. So does this change your stance on the Pacers in the futures market? Because I think we've had this talk before, how it feels like sometimes these young teams need a year before they're really in contention. Like they'll have a great regular season. Almost feels like the Kings of last season, where the Kings ran the regular season. They were really exciting, came out of nowhere. But once the postseason rolled around, and I will say, I think that – I want to say they lost in like close games. So it wasn't like they were boat raced in the postseason. It just feels like those young teams are just a season away. So now with this move for somebody who is like, I'm not going to call him an old guy, but like Pascal Siakam, he's been around the block. Like he knows what he's doing. I'm saying he's not a rookie. When they add a presence like him, do you think this moves the timeline forward for you? Do you think the Pacers can contend this season? I don't know if it's this season, but because still, when you're talking about the the class of the division, you're talking about the Bucks, right? They are clearly the team mm-hmm. to beat and one of the teams to beat when it comes to playing for the NBA title. But I will say they've got so many young players, especially with Halliburton coming alive this year and already Miles Turner is on the team. And then you add a a veteran like Siakam, who certainly has plenty of basketball left, and he's going to sign a monster contract after this year. I believe he has one year and $38 million remaining on this year's deal. So then if you keep him, all of a sudden you've got a really nice mix of younger players and veteran players and guys that fit together. So moving forward, I would be bullish on the Indiana Pacers. Let's look at what else we saw last night in the NBA, Chelsea, and let's start in Atlanta where the Hawks top the Magic just barely, 106-104. Magic getting four points. The Hawks minus 180 on the money line. Total set at 229. The under hits. DeJunte Murray hitting a 17-foot jumper as time expires to give the Hawks the victory. He gets 26 points, five boards, five assists. 
But what's crazy about this finish is that Quinn Snyder, the head coach of the Hawks, was trying to call a timeout before the end of this game. The officials didn't see him, didn't hear him. Doesn't matter. Murray hits the shot, and the Hawks win. Man, I had a same-game parlay on this game. Uh, I've been trying to do more of those because there is nothing yeah. that gets you more interested in games than putting a bunch of bets on them. So that's what I've been trying to do to get uh, myself knee-deep into the NBA as of late. Had the Magic plus four, had the under, but then had Bancaro over his rebounds. That one was the, the sabotage factor here. But I think unders are usually the play when it comes to the Magic. Isn't that what we liked in this game? The Magic getting the yeah. points and the under because they play uh, such good defense. And also, sometimes they have some trouble scoring. I don't think they had any business losing to the Hawks. But still, this is not the position where the Orlando Magic have been the most profitable. If you want to bet on the Magic, you bet on them at home and you bet on them when they are favorites. Granted, they did cover the spread here. Uh, but I think those are the lessons learned from like what we saw and what the preview was in trying to uh, bridge the gap there. Yeah, no question. And, and at some point, the market sort of catches up to whatever the totals are, whatever the spreads are. And we discussed how, yeah, the Hawks might be an over team, but not the Magic. And this number seemed too high. And fortunately, at least for part of your same game parlay, the under came home. In Cleveland, the Cavaliers just crush the Bucks. 135 to 95. The Cavs were laying one. The Cavs were minus 115 on the money line. Total set at 236 at Bedham GM. The under hits. The reason why the Cavs were favored, the reason why they blow out Milwaukee in this one, Giannis Adetokounmpo does not play. Sat out with a bruised right shoulder, which is not normal for him. He had played in 29 straight games. Instead, it is Donovan Mitchell stepping up with 31 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Jarrett Allen with 21 and 13. And the Cavaliers catching fire. They've won six straight, which is a season high, Chelsea. Even though when you beat the Bucks without Giannis, like how much are you really bragging about that? I will say it was an important game for the Cavs just from the standings, if you're looking at that perspective. Now mm -hmm. they're only a couple games back from the Sixers for that third spot in the Eastern Conference. Not that the third spot is like a benchmark, but still kind of keeping them right around uh, the middle of the pack when it comes to those first six teams in the Eastern Conference. But do you take away anything from this game when you don't have you know the biggest star player playing for one side? I don't think I do. I mean, I, I kind of do. You can't really judge how great the Cavaliers are, but they have played their best basketball of the season. And last year, the Bucks would be routinely without Giannis or Chris Middleton and win games based on the fact that they were a great team and still are a great team. But even without your superstar player, as good as Giannis is, as important as he is, you shouldn't be losing by 40 points. You know what I mean? That's... That's Rockets territory. That's reserved for the Spurs and the Pistons. What are you doing losing by 40? Uh, the Celtics have done it this year, haven't they? Yeah. We've seen a lot of really lopsided scores this year in the NBA. I feel like if a team is losing, they commit to the lose. They're like, all right, time to prepare for the next game. So I think, you know, that's just part of the NBA this year. And I think that's another thing. I know the spread wasn't huge in this one. But sometimes it can be daunting to lay like really big numbers in the NBA. But when you see some of these lopsided scores, 10 and a half, 11 points, it doesn't seem like that much when you see teams losing by 40 points. Yeah. 
Milwaukee was held to just two points in the first six minutes of this game. Giannis or no, you got to play better than that. And I might not bet the NBA again this season, Chelsea. I got a few dubs under my belt. I was like, yeah, I've had a successful year betting the NBA. And also, once again, you act like there's nothing going on there in Nashville. And I glance up at the screen and I see the most famous coffee cup on this show. The very famous, I don't give a sip cup. So maybe that's appropriate when you're sick and tired on a Thursday. And I look up and I see that famous cup. Once again, Barry in the lead. Coming up next year on the show, a look at last night's action in the top 25 in college basketball while I top coach in the NFL keeps his job. That is next on the Daily Tip from BetQL. It is presented by BetMGM. Come on back. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. With Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. It is new to BetQL presented by BetMGM. She's Chelsea Messenger, live in Nashville. I'm Michael Jenkins, live in Washington, D.C. Coming up, we scour the college basketball landscape looking for upsets as we recap last night's action in the top 25. Before we get to that, let's talk a little NFL, Chelsea. Nothing like getting a ringing endorsement from your boss, especially when your boss just happens to be Jerry Jones. And especially when you have not necessarily met expectations at your job. We're talking about Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And Jerry Jones made the announcement yesterday after exit interviews with the coaches and players that Mike McCarthy will be back as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys next season. And we know the book on McCarthy, right? Not necessarily a great game manager. Does have a Super Bowl. But the Cowboys are the first team in NFL history to win 12 games in three consecutive seasons and not advance to a conference title game during that span. So, Chelsea, put on your GM hat. You're Jarrah. Oh, you just, uh, you know, I made a mistake not not keeping Jimmy around. I just want one more title for or I go to the grave. I'm 81 now. I'm going to keep Mike around. Maybe maybe Dak will come back and have a, have a good season. You're Jerry. Is this the right call? Well, I think it does say something that this is a decision he made after talking to the players and the other coaches, right? Like the mm-hmm. fact that yeah. didn't we hear some kind of endorsement from Dak Prescott himself saying this game was on me, this was not on the coaching, and – there were some bad moments for Dak, and it was a team that was very much in a hole. I'll say I was kind of surprised that the Cowboys continued to chug along and actually scored points in this game. They didn't give up, uh, but I just feel like there is this narrative that Mike McCarthy is a bad coach, uh, and we've seen it in some of his time management decisions, but that really wasn't the case in this game because it wasn't a close mm-hmm. game. But coaching is always relative, and it makes me wonder – if they had already reached out to Bill Belichick, if he said no, 
if there is something else going on behind the scenes that we do not know about because this is always all relative you shouldn't fire a head coach unless you have somebody in mind better to replace him so maybe this is you know all of okay he really likes mike mccarthy mm-hmm. Or it's, okay, we couldn't get anybody better. Do you think there's any of that that goes into this decision? Possibly. I also think that the argument, which I've heard a lot, is that if you plug and play here with Bill Belichick, the Cowboys are suddenly just going to start winning. We've seen that with the Eagles. Now, I know they didn't replace Nick Sirianni, but they they replaced both coordinators during the offseason. And this was a team that looked completely different by the end of the year on both sides of the football. So when you bring in a new head coach, he's going to bring in his guys. And what was it a few years ago with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They brought back all 22 starters from that Super Bowl winning team. And the narrative was, look, nothing has changed. These guys will go back and win it again. Didn't happen. So what I'm saying is the idea that if you have the exact same team in place, Or the idea that all you need to do is change one thing, the head coach or maybe a coordinator, and you'll win. Sometimes, maybe that works in certain situations, but it's not nearly as easy as people make it out to be. It's still a team that has won 12 games in the regular season for three straight years. That's tough to do. Have they had disappointment, massive disappointment in the playoffs relative to their regular season success? Yes, but there's no guarantee that just replacing Mike McCarthy means the Cowboys are still going to win a Super Bowl. It's just, it's more difficult than that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Especially when it was a one game problem. Like the postseason mm-hmm. was one game. And I guess we're yeah. not giving any credit to the Green Bay Packers. Like the Cowboys at home as favorites should not have gotten their butts spanked. But still, it's a one-game sample size. So if you look at the larger sample size, Mike McCarthy has had a good run in the regular season when coaching the Dallas Cowboys. I will say, I think I do like this approach more than the quick trigger approach that we've seen in, like, say, Carolina. Like, there is a myriad of problems in Carolina with David Tepper, the owner there. But when coaches don't even get a chance to implement their system and their strategies. Like how many games did Frank Wright coach? Like six? He didn't even get yeah. a full season, right? So I That's a terrible team. appreciate, right. But what I'm saying is like, he only got six games. Like what was, yeah. what was he gonna do with a really terrible team? So I know Mike McCarthy has had a few more seasons, but still maybe they're trying to keep some continuity and maybe they do like some of their coordinators. Because, like, they have done good things. Like, haven't we heard all kinds of great things about the defense and Dan Quinn and what he's done? Even though some of these guys may be up for head coaching jobs, and maybe that kind of puts a spin on it, too. But there are good things about this coaching staff that it's not just, you know, the knee-jerk reaction of saying, hey, everybody's got to go because we lost a game. Sure. And I, I, I agree with you. And I also think that Dak Prescott has to own some of this. Everyone has to own some of this. 
it does come back to the quarterback. It comes back to the head coach. But you mentioned Dak Prescott. He gave a ringing endorsement Mm -hmm. of Mike McCarthy after that loss to the Packers and said, I would not have had the season that I had if not for Mike McCarthy. And so Mike McCarthy can only do so much. Yes, he can have his team prepared, or maybe they weren't prepared. You can make that argument. But ultimately, Dak Prescott has to step up in big moments as well. And I don't care who you are as a head coach. You can put your players in a position to succeed. They have to deliver too. Oh, for sure. It's all about execution. It doesn't matter how good the coach is. If the players on the field do not make the plays. And it's not just all Dak Prescott. Like, the defense was giving up a lot of points as well. And that was a defense that was supposed to be one of the better defenses in the NFL. So it's not just Dak Prescott. It is really, like, it's really disappointing for Dak Prescott, especially this year, because I think all of us felt Mm -hmm. like this year was different. He had made such a turnaround when it comes to keeping the ball in his hands. Last year, of course, he led the league in turnover, in uh, interceptions, I should say. And this year, he was looking like an MVP candidate. So I'm not sure what went so wrong in that game. But you're right. He did own it. He did take some ownership of the loss. But it's not just on him. Like, it's a whole team game, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's more than just Dak that is at fault for that big, embarrassing loss in Dallas. I agree. And I also think that when you have had a lot of success or you're on a successful path, there is something to be said for not having some sort of knee-jerk reaction and keeping the pieces in place that have made you successful and then also taking a step back and saying, all right, we seem to be on the right path here. What can we do to be better? What is the one thing that's holding us back? Is it coaching? Maybe, or maybe it's little things. Maybe Maybe it's building up to a moment where you finally break through. But I think ultimately when you have this much success, you risk things falling apart completely if you make wholesale changes after 12 wins in three consecutive seasons. And I will also say when it comes to job stability or confidence in your own ability to put out whatever you have as far as your talents go and and make those talents help your team or help yourself succeed, it does help to have an endorsement early on from someone who is your superior. I remember early in my career when I was here in D.C. and – I was I don't want to say I was trying things, but my style wasn't necessarily the the NBC style. I had a certain way. Things were very staid at one point. And now, of course, the things back then wouldn't even move the needle. But I was trying some different stuff because I thought it worked. And that didn't necessarily go over well with corporate. But my local GM came to me and said, hey, I know that you might get a little blowback from corporate. I don't want you to worry about them because I see what you're doing and I think it's great. And so do not worry about it. And that sort of confidence that is, that is sort of inside of you when someone above you believes in you says, no, maybe, maybe the the road gets a little crooked here, but we're going to stick with you can go a long way. And hopefully it works that way out for the Cowboys where, all right, you've had some success. We know you want to do more, but we believe in the path that you're on. And that can go a long way, not just with the coaches, Chelsea, but also with the players. Right, and also establishing some sort of stability because imagine the offseason if they're bringing in a new head coach and new coordinators. That means the offense is learning a new playbook and they are learning all sorts of new things. And so it's just going to make it harder on that team going into the regular season next uh, season. But also an important point that I think that people need to remember 
is that when we are sitting at a sports bar or when we are talking with our friends, our opinion of Mike McCarthy does not matter to Jerry Jones. We would like to think that it (laughs) does, but wouldn't the players probably know better? And that's the thing. Like I have never played football. So like, I think some of his game time, you know, game management situations down the stretch, you know, managing the clock are a little cumbersome, but if his team is giving him endorsements, that probably matters way more than what like we think. Correct. Yes. Yes. I can assure you that what Dak Prescott thinks or what Jerry Jones thinks, who knows Mike McCarthy, who works with him on a daily basis, means a little bit more than some schmo yelling at the TV in the bar during the playoffs. So you're absolutely right about that. Last night, college football, number one, UConn, first week at number one. Beats number 18, Creighton, 62-48. UConn laying six. The Huskies minus 275 on the money line. Total set at 146. The under hits. Tristan Newton with 16. Cam Spencer and Alex Caravan each with 13. All of Caravan's points come in the second half. The Huskies talked about, we don't want to be one and done at the top of the top 25. And so they pull out a win against a good Creighton team. Yeah, a big storyline in this one, Donovan Klingon making his return for UConn and certainly made his presence felt down low. And that's where UConn had kind of been getting embarrassed. But with their big man back, they really controlled the offensive glass in this one. And the defense really returned. Creighton, one of the better three-point shooting teams in the nation, only shot 34% from the field. So I think when you have somebody that is a big presence, like that, that can certainly change the vibes and certainly change the outcome for an already good UConn team. I will say this is not a team that's been great at covering. Uh, sometimes that's the case with like some of the best teams in college basketball is that you're not getting a ton of value. So far this season, just 9-7 and seven against the spread. But maybe this is the difference maker. And maybe they're going to play with a lot more spirit. Uh, some of the quotes after the game, man, uh, Bobby Hurley was – fired up he said we're an effort rebounding team we get there with quickness and life or death pursuit uh and he was saying mm-hmm. the last one we challenge the manhood hood of these guys and the warrior spirit i was like wow that seems intense <laughs> but i guess that's what you need if you're a team that wants to succeed come this march absolutely It's time to buckle down because March will be here before you know it. Down in Baton Rouge, Chelsea, LSU edges number 22, Ole Miss, 89-80. The Tigers laying three and a half points, LSU minus 175 on the money line. The over-under at Baton GM set at 150 and the over hits. Jordan Wright leading all scorers with 27 points. He scores LSU's final nine points of the first half, returns in the second half, scores eight of their first 10, and he gives the Tigers their first win over a ranked team this season. And if you're talking about getting ready for March Madness, trying to put together some wins down the stretch, a big one for the Tigers. Well, this is the betting angle in this one. Unranked home favorites have really Mm. been the play over the last like five years. Last year, they hit it 66%. And since 2017, they're hitting at 55%. So this was the case. LSU, home favorite despite going against a ranked squad in Ole Miss. So this is something that you should always be on the lookout for when you have an unranked home favorite going against a ranked team. It has been a very solid betting trend to follow over the last five years. Finally, Chelsea, in 
Arizona, number 12. The 12 Wildcats handle USC 82-67. USC was getting 20 points. Arizona minus 3,500 on the money line. Total set at 158. The under hits. Caleb Love putting on a show for both Kevin Durant, who was in attendance. Bijan Robinson was in attendance as well because he's from Arizona. Love with 20 points and five assists as the Wildcats overcome a seven-minute drought without a field goal in the first half. And because everyone wants to know, Bronny James did play for USC. He had 11 points and six assists. It's wild that you can have a seven-minute scoring drought and still score 82 <laughs> points. Crazy. I think that shows how prolific this Arizona offense is. That's really been the case over the last few years. When you look at Arizona, you think, okay, they're going to score 90 points a game. So maybe that's going to be their calling card once again this March. And always pay attention to these teams out West because it always feels like the Pac-12 teams are a little underrated come this March because nobody stays up to watch the games. Each and every single year. And we kind of saw that in football this season until late in the mm -hmm. year when everyone realized, oh, the Pac-12 is really, really good this year. Coming up next year on the show, we've got plenty of basketball left in the association. So is now the time to put down your money on some futures that and so much more is next on the daily tip from BetQL. it is presented by BetMGM, and we are coming back chelsea and jenks will be right back on the daily tip presented by bet mgm on the BetQL network Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back. I see Double D's doing well. Thursday on the Daily Tip Thank you well, presented by Pat MGM. I'm Jinx with Chelsea. We're talking NBA futures here in just a bit. Chelsea, you were telling me about this story, and I did a little research yesterday. I think we've touched on it before, but Miami star, Heat star Jimmy Butler, loves country music. Loves country music. He wants to release an album. And so... He says that he has written about 60 country music songs. He's from Texas. He's a country boy. And he says he really didn't get into this, though, until he went to Marquette. But he's written all these songs, and he wants to record an album. But now I'm reading as part of his plan that he wants to record around 200 songs before he finally comes up with the final tally and that he doesn't necessarily on his album want to be the singer. He fancies himself as sort of a, a DJ Khaled of country music. So he wants to maybe bring together in addition to perhaps singing himself, bring together other artists and then craft this amazing album where he's kind of the guy managing egos and deciding what songs work and what songs don't, which I don't know if that would work in country music. I mean, maybe because he's Jimmy Butler, he has a 
name recognition. If you know hoops at all, you know Jimmy. But this seems like an odd concept to have someone DJ Khaled-esque managing or directing a bunch of different country music singers. Yeah, so let me get this straight. He wants a bunch of country artists that are successful in their own right to do an album for him while he yells hype words at them. Because let's rewind for a second. What is DJ Khaled is a producer, though, right? Doesn't he make beats and stuff? I I don't think I know actually what he does. Like, I know he has music himself, but yeah, record producer and record executive. Uh, so what does DJ Khaled actually do? Does he make the beats? He produces, yeah. He produces Hello. a lot of songs. And and then, you know, he's the guy who comes in and says, we the best! Or, you know, repeats some sort of phrase in the background. Right. So I don't know if, if Jimmy Butler is going to be yelling, KC lights in the background, or cut off jeans, or whatever it is. But he's... He's a curator, which is what Jimmy Butler was talking about. So not only is he a producer, but he is the one who also is able to bring everyone together and manage it in a way that works for a particular album. DJ Khaled does that. DJ Khaled will release an album with artists from across the spectrum of hip-hop, rap, whatever, and it's his album, but it's under his direction and his production. And so I guess Jimmy Butler wants to do the same. I don't know. This feels like a, a pipe dream. I'm all for it. I would love to see Jimmy Butler pull this off. But it feels like when listening to his strategy that he's still kind of figuring it out because I thought he was going to sing. I want to hear Jimmy Butler sing. Right. That's what I was expecting. Because as much as we're kind of piling on DJ Khaled, he has been doing this for a long time. So it's not oh, like yeah. he just woke up one day and was like, oh, I'm going to produce music and like, you know, shout things on a-list singers and rappers songs like he's been doing this for over 20 years he started in radio so it's not like he doesn't have a background in music taste like what is the sales pitch that jimmy butler is saying to these country music artists what does he bring to the table other than just marketing because i guess that is a very real thing you know we've seen this before with celebrities didn't kim kardashian like have a song before Remember that? Like she tried to be a singer oh, for like a hot minute, and it was. I know Paris terrible. Hilton did. Yeah. Oh, that was bad well, too. I, oh uh, yeah. I think if you're Jimmy Butler, it's a it's immediate attention because this would be this would be something that everyone would pay attention to. And number two, Jimmy Butler's net worth is like eighty million dollars, so he's got the money behind it to fund it and make it happen. Maybe it would be interesting. But I think it's more interesting. Like, I would much rather hear Jimmy Butler's album than Jimmy Butler presents Morgan Wallet or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the other thing. that country music is so different in the fact that it's its own little community. So I don't know how mm-hmm. much weight Jimmy Butler holds in that community <laughs> as right. opposed to, like, other circles. Do you get what I'm saying? I think it's a hard yes. It's a hard case to present if you don't live in Nashville, but country music is kind of on its own little island. Yes. Oh, I totally agree. It's it's very it's very clicky, if that may. I was going to say niche. It's not right. niche, but it's clicky. Like you have to sort of get mm-hmm. into that click and be a part of that to sort of have the success that you want to have because there are even country music 
whether it's maybe Chris Stapleton isn't exactly now he's sort of broken through, but he's not really traditional country or anything like that. And so there are country music artists, maybe Jason Isbell is another one where you're just kind of sitting there on the periphery because you don't necessarily conform to what country music in Nashville says you should conform to. Well, also, like, the talk around town here is, like, the conspiracy theories that the radio stations and, like, the country music, like, you know, top dogs, they pick mm -hmm. somebody to really push. And everybody's like, oh, they're doing that with Lainey Wilson. Because people are saying we like Lainey Wilson, but the amount mm -hmm. of push that she's gotten from the radio stations here and from, like, every single, you know, live music performance, she was on the New Year's thing. She's been on all these award shows is that – they have picked Lainey Wilson as like their it girl and they push her. So there are other mm -hmm. things that go into it other than just say, hey, I'm a celebrity. I'm going to infiltrate oh, yeah. country music. It's just not that simple. But Jimmy Butler has proved us wrong many times before. Remember yeah. when everybody said, oh, the Heat, they're not going to go to the NBA finals. You've seen them during the regular season. And remember what he said during the press conferences in like the first round? He's like, yeah, we're going to the finals. So maybe oh, yeah. we should not underestimate Jimmy Butler yet again. I agree. What Sturgill Simpson is another guy. I love Sturgill. And what was it a few years ago? He wasn't invited to the CMAs or something like that. And so he was walking around outside the auditorium carrying his Grammys or something. <laughs> Just, But not a part of the establishment, right? So if you're not a part of that establishment, then maybe you don't have a way in. Yeah, it's interesting how the industry will certainly pick the the it artist and say, okay, this is the person we're going to push. So you're spot on about that. Who are you going to pick for NBA champion? Who are you going to push and say, this is my pick to win the NBA title? You, the Boston Celtics, you, the Denver Nuggets, you, the Milwaukee Bucks, are part of the establishment here. You deserve to win a title. Which team is it going to be, Chelsea? I'm interested to hear if you have changed any of your picks since the last time we did this segment. Because for me, it is still remaining the same. Even though some of these numbers have gotten a little shorter, still on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Feels like maybe they're yep. a season away. But when you are looking for value and looking for teams that could possibly do the unthinkable, look at the Thunder. This week, they're 18-1 to 1 to win the title. And if you look at the top dog in the Western Conference, it's the Nuggets. Guess what? The Thunder have already beaten them twice this season. So clearly, they have some matchup advantages when going against Denver. Obviously, it's the regular season. Obviously, it may be different when it's a seven-game series. But still, I think that's a pretty solid value play with Oklahoma City with an MVP candidate in Shea Gilgus-Alexander. So I will put my money on the Thunder as a value play at 18-1. to 1. Yeah, it's a great value play. I'm not betting on the Suns. I don't believe in the Suns. I think they're completely overvalued. You're just getting the, the names. You're getting Bradley Beal. You're getting Devin Booker. You're getting Kevin Durant. And they're playing a touch batter. But I haven't seen anything out of the Suns. And also... I don't trust their health at all. I have to say, God, I was so wrong about them. Look at the LA Clippers sitting there as your fourth favorite. What is that? 11 to 1? My eyesight's going, Chelsea. You nine can still get it at a 9 to 1? Really? No. Okay. It says last well, week and this week. So the this week oh, column okay. is this week. It's 9 well, to 1. Maybe I should have gotten it last week. You need your glasses. Right now, though. <laughs> nine to one. You, there's still some value there. I'm, I'm going. Get me some glasses immediately. They're ninety to one. Wow. Ninety to one. Holy crap! Take a shot. Take a shot. 
Well, I will say that this is a team that has come together and played really good basketball. Paul George was so dynamic the other night, and they're all healthy now. Kawhi signed an extension. PG's healthy. James Harden has found his role. Russell Westbrook, I believe, is now sort of, I think they've got him where he needs to be as opposed to trying to take over games and be someone he's not. He used to be maybe that player, but now he's more effective as kind of a role player, but not trying to be your first or second scoring option. He doesn't need to be that because he's so inefficient. And the Clippers have figured that out. So at 9-1, to 11-1, to whatever, I have to say I've been impressed with the ball that they've been playing. And now the fourth favorite, which would have been unthinkable maybe just a month ago, which shows how quickly these things can change. Oh, for sure. And we still have plenty of season left. Like it's January the 18th. Which makes me try to consider the bigger picture. Just because a team goes on a run now does not mean it's a team that's going to be going on a run in the postseason. Because in the NBA, the postseason is so different. It is like its own little season, which I guess you could say March Madness is that way as well. Mm -hmm. But think about the absolute gauntlet that you have to go through in the NBA postseason. What is it, a month? Is it two months? It feels like a long time. So just because the team is cruising right now does not mean that they are going to be cruising come the postseason. So you got to look for some teams that have a little bit of depth. I think that's the one thing that's going against the Milwaukee Bucks this year. Uh, And should we mention the Nuggets, defending champs? Is there any value on them at plus 420? Kind of, yeah. We We know they can do it. And that's mm-hmm. the thing where, and that's one of the reasons why that I tend to shy away from the Celtics sitting there at plus 325 because they've been close, haven't gotten over the hump. Been close, haven't gotten over the hump. The Nuggets have. So I think when you take that into consideration, it makes the value a little bit different. I do like the Nuggets. Coming up next, time to start talking through the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And we start with Saturday's showdown between the Texans and the Ravens. That is next on the Daily Tip from Becky L, presented by Adam Jim. For more, listen to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.